Hey everyone, it's Hamish from the Young Investors Podcast. Myself and Brandon are excited to bring you your weekly rundown of the latest business and investing news from around the world. A quick reminder before we get started, any advice provided by Brandon is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives, so consider whether it's appropriate for you. Brandon Vanderkolk is authorized to provide general financial product advice in Australia and is authorized representative number 1305795 of Guideway Financial Services Proprietary Limited, AFSL number 420367. Please see the description box for Brandon's financial services guide. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future investment returns. But with that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to yet another episode. Hamish Hodder, you're back down in Melbourne. Hey, you left your hard drive here, by the way. I know, I... I feel like it's impossible not to forget one thing every single time. Or maybe that's just me, but I forgot maybe the most important thing because that hard drive has like, it's a very important hard drive. It has like all my files on it. It has like all my backups, YouTube, the podcast. It has everything. Um, So yeah, hopefully it um, arrives safe. Sorry, mate. Can you express post that to me? I I need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nah, fortunately, uh, a, it should we be. We had fine. a good time. I was it. Yeah. Good week in Canberra. Either way, it was good to hang out with you, dude. Yeah. And uh, how's how how's things back down in Melbourne? How's Lucy the dog? All good. Yeah. Everything's good. You know, I was surprised. I'm I'm very happy to say that I didn't get sick. Uh, I think this is the first time I've gone through an airport and not gotten sick in uh in i don't know a long time wow. so there you go unless it's still current <laughs> unless it needs a few no, days no, to like no, incubate no. <laughs> none of that no you did not get sick hamish congratulations yeah no it's oh, a good well. idea how are how are things uh, up in canberra yeah it's we're pretty it's pretty stressy time at the moment we're uh recording this on thursday and it's black friday tomorrow and uh well by the time this goes out on Black yeah. Friday, we are releasing new money education. So this Woo-hoo. is almost like an announcement. This feels weird because it's not out yet, but I'm like announcing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. As as right now, you guys can log on to newmoney.education. And that is, if you didn't catch my YouTube video explaining it, that is our uh, updated course platform that we are hosting. And we've got two courses up there. Introduction to Stock Analysis, which is a big, beefy six-hour step-by-step course on Warren Buffett style investing. So we talk like financial statements, how to value yeah. stocks, that kind of thing. And then the other course we've got is um, is a beginner's one. So stock market investing for beginners. So if you're brand new to investing, um, don't know where to start, don't know what to do. Uh, it's a four hour course, just running through the passive investing strategy, exactly how to implement it, all that sort of mm. stuff. So yeah, it's it's actually been quite a wild ride because we've been yeah I was... like we've got five of us here in the office and at all times over the past like nine months four of us have been working on new money education. So, yeah, I was going to ask how long you've been working on it because I obviously I flicked through some of them and the quality is just kind of insane and it's so it's only been nine months yeah. that you've been working on that. I mean, I guess yeah, nine well, we months but going nine months so... hard. It's crazy. Yeah going real hard on that. So we didn't want the quality to be any less than our YouTube videos. Yeah. That was like our goal. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we, it did take a lot of time because it's just the motion graphics. And like, obviously I, I it took me a while just to script everything perfectly, but it, the real time sink is the motion graphics. So the boys have been working so hard to get those done. So if you, if you guys watch it, you'll see that the quality is the same, if not better than the YouTube videos. Yeah. 
which yeah, it did did take us nine months. I I always remember like I remember there was someone I was following in the finance nation. They they released a course and then their their announcement video. They were like, "We've been working on this over the last two weekends." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" That is the yeah. problem with the industry that we're in. Is there's a lot yeah. of people unfortunately that just kind of throw something together really quickly and then charge an, a crazy price and then people mm. kind of get. I'm like disappointed when they enter, you know, cause you know, p- people make, uh, it's often the case that people will make like really good YouTube content and then their other stuff like isn't up to that standard. It's like an afterthought yeah. to them. So uh, unfortunately, it's, it's like, just trying to yeah. milk money out of their subscribers. Basically uh, unf- that's, that's the yeah. goal. Unfortunately, that's just, um, it's that's put a bad case. taste, I think in a lot of people's, um, mouths in regards yeah, to this and that's, stuff. Yeah. Honestly, that's what we have to fight against. Um, like yeah. obviously, I know that these courses are super high quality, but the people out there don't know. So that's that's the uphill battle that we're fighting. Um, so yeah. I actually put in one of the one of the FAQs <laughs> that I typed up was just like, "Is this course legit?" And then I <laughs> just wrote a blurb on why the course is legit, <laughs> which is crazy that you have to do that these days, but you yeah. do have to do it. But uh, anyway, so yeah, it's it's out there. If it's something that you're interested, I won't harp on too much about this. Um, obviously, here for the podcast. So, but if you are interested in it, um, I should, may as well alert you guys. We are doing a Black Friday weekend introductory pricing. Um, so we've got the two courses, which I was just talking through before. We've also, for the Black Friday weekend, we've bundled them together. And the way we've bundled it is that if you buy that bundle, you'll still you'll just pay the price for introduction to stock analysis. So you effectively get, wow. um, you pay the introductory price for uh for um introduction to stock analysis so it's even cheaper so you effectively get stock market investing for beginners completely free and that makes it sound like oh stock market investing for beginners probably just this cheapy course but no it's like a four (laughs) that that course is a four hour professionally edited course that you're getting for essentially the same price so if if you're interested we're not doing that pricing again on the bundle ever so that's like a special introductory black friday pricing so if you're interested feel free to check it out um but yeah, otherwise, um, even if you just have a look at the pages, I'd really appreciate it. Just g- give me some feedback on, on what you think. That'd be awesome. But yeah, um, yeah that's new money education, everyone. Yeah. Thanks very, for listening to my TED Talk. Yeah, very exciting. You, have you organized? You've got to have like it a It is. Part. I'm just drowning on about yeah. it because we've literally been going, we've been doing this for nine months. So it's like yeah. crazy. But yeah. Anyway. You've got to- oh, Sorry, I cut you off. No, there. no, no, no. I think we've we got a bit of lag. Our usual, uh, we're back to the lag, unfortunately. It was uh, yeah. it was good last week having it in person. Um. But I was saying, you got to have a. Are you having a party or something? You've got to have something to to uh to kind of um yeah. decompress the last should, nine months. <laughs> I should have a party. I should organize something. But in all honesty, the party that I want is just to sleep. <laughs> yeah, just, just to stop for I a just, moment. <laughs> I just want to sleep for once. Yeah. I've slept on average, I think, four hours per night for about the last week. Wow. And I'm just crazy. like, so I'm like off with the fairies right now. I just yeah. want this out. I just want to have a long nap. But yeah, I should organize some party, maybe in a week time, one, week's time once I've recovered a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds anyway. good. Wow. All right. Let's get into some podcasting. Hamish, what are we talking about today? Yeah. We've, uh, well, again, there's a couple of big news stories that I actually didn't really see coming at mm. all. Um, we have, uh, a very interesting uh, development in the in the cryptocurrency space. Uh, CZ, the founder of Binance, the biggest trading platform in the world, has pled guilty to a number of um, anti-money laundering violations and, and other financial crimes. So there's a whole story to kind of dive into uh, there. 
Then we also have, what, a bunch of news around Sam Altman, the CEO, former CEO of OpenAI, and that whole story, which I haven't uh, taken too much of a look at because it it seems like every day there's something new that happened (laughs) regarding that story. Um, Do you know there there is something new that happened today? Oh, maybe I'll save it. Yes. Oh, no, the people that... All right, I'll save it for you, but the people already know about it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay, All right. Exciting. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but yeah they're, they're the main, they're the two main ones. And then what else are you talking about? Yeah. Then we've got, uh, just a couple of smaller stories. NVIDIA reported their earnings, which I thought would be interesting to look at because they've been on this, uh, red hot, uh, AI hype and, uh, train at the moment. So we can continue to see how their mm. earnings have, uh, developed. Uh, and then there was a couple of, uh, media related, uh, news stories that I kind of bundled together that I thought we could, um, talk about. Very cool. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So. Very cool. All right. Well, let's let's just do yeah. it. Let's get into it, I reckon. I think, what do you um, reckon? Yeah, yeah. So, sorry, everyone. We are dealing with, unfortunately, a little bit of lag. So, if we're talking over each other, we'll uh, we'll try not to um, too much. But I think um, maybe let's just start with the the probably the biggest story um, that I, at least I saw this week, which was uh, Chang Peng Zhao, or, or, or uh, more better known as CZ, the founder and CEO of Binance, just pled guilty to violating anti-money laundering requirements. Um, which has kind of been, uh, it, it was a story that was kind of humming along in the, in the background, the DOJ, the department of justice in the U S had been investigating this for quite some time. And there'd, there'd been some, some tidbits here and there over time, but, um, yeah, this was certainly, I think, um, you know, a big, uh, a big conclusion or at least one conclusion to, to, to this story. Um, and it, it is just <laughs> another development in the, uh, the, uh, the the wild well, I, I called it the latest chapter in the regulation of the crypto wild west um, <laughs> which so uh, it's it's been kind of crazy like last year we had you know all of these institutions um uh, uh, collapsing you had FTX collapse you had uh oh, I'm blanking on names um uh, uh blockfi collapsed i believe um yep there was a, a few of them there was a bunch you had you know Frauds like um, was it Safe Moon cryptocurrency was exposed last year. There was so much that just came out last year in regarding cryptocurrency, and then it feels like this year is like where like uh, all the regulation kind of came down, <laughs> where the, where the law yeah. kind of landed. We of course just covered the uh, the the FTX uh, fiasco. Um, the the Safe Moon people got uh, a couple of the the founders of that actually got arrested as well. Just to couple of months ago i don't think we spoke about it but uh that also happened and uh and now we have uh binance and cz and and binance so um 
For those who don't know, um, mm. Binance is the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world. So, you know, FTX was an, obviously an enormous story and, and that, you know, is, is a crazy um, a fraud that happened. Uh, but now we have, a, mm. you know, a, 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 the criminal justice system coming down on not just a cryptocurrency platform, but the biggest one uh, continues to be the biggest in the world. Uh, it was founded in 2017 um, and they actually handle about 40% of the world's crypto transactions. Um, which wow. is kind of crazy. So not only are they the biggest fund, they're, they're about half the size of the entire market in terms of, sorry, not fund, um, yeah. uh, exchange platform. Um, they're about yeah. half the size of the, uh, the entire market. Um, for- they used to be less, but um, then everyone below them went bankrupt. <laughs> mm, yeah, everyone below them <laughs> yeah, committed fraud. It, would, it used to be FTX number two and then Binance number one. But yeah, obviously now FTX is... yeah. See you later. Yeah, yeah. There's there's been a few of that. There's been, <laughs> there's, there's been a few um that have gone kaput. Um, but uh, yeah. So so essentially on Tuesday, CZ appeared in Seattle Federal Court where he pled guilty to a number of charges. Um, and he pled guilty as a part of a deal reached with uh the DOJ. So he he had a plea deal. Um, and in that deal, uh, he agreed to step down as the CEO of Binance. Um, he will personally pay fifty million dollars. Uh, Binance will pay uh, $4.3 billion uh, in a settlement, which is the largest crypto settlement ever, by the way, um, so, uh, which I, I guess hasn't been all that much regulation on crypto. So that kind of makes sense that it's the largest, but it is still an enormous figure. Mm. Um, and uh, Binance will actually li- very likely be able to continue operating, um, which is kind of surprising given some of the charges. Um that they are going to just be allowed yeah. to continue operating. I'll get into the specifics of the charges um, in a second, but um, it's kind of wild that they just continued. Uh, part of the deal is that they're allowed to continue operating. So, um, mm-hmm. so there you go. That, that's kind of the the nature of the deal. Um, so, what are the what are the charges? Um, so, there's really three main uh, counts, uh, I, I believe, or maybe there's just three in total. But these were certainly the ones that I saw um, people covering. The first was uh, failing to have a sufficient anti-money laundering uh, program. Uh, so money laundering, of course, is um, the, the practice of hiding the origin of money used to facilitate crimes. Um, and as, as a mm. platform handling US transactions, <clears throat> finance is required to uh, monitor for suspicious activity. Um, so they're a business that um, you know, handles, handles money, monetary transactions. They need to take certain steps. They're actually required specifically to take, uh, and this is kind of a quote, reasonable steps to ascertain the source and purpose of client funds. So they have to have some kind of program in place where they're at least trying <laughs> um, to yeah. figure out, yeah, what's this, where's this money coming from and what's the purpose of it? Yeah, it's and it's like basic stuff. It, it's not like super complicated. It's just like if you, like I was watching Richard's video on on this earlier. It's like if, if you're a small business in, you know, Omaha and you send $500,000 to an account in the United Arab Emirates. Yeah. Like that's questionable. It is like, it's just like, it just needs to flag things that are questionable, but I'm yeah. just like, nope. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, even um, Commonwealth Bank in Australia recently faced um, some scrutiny for this specific, I think it was maybe last year or the year before um, they, they were fined, I think, I believe for, for a number of similar things, um, not, you know, checking right. the origin of large cash deposits made in, in at their banks and that sort of thing. Um, kind of turning a blind eye to that. Um, but yeah, they of course need mm. to you know have that um in place. Uh, the DOJ alleged that, or alleges 
uh, that not only uh, did they not take reasonable steps to stop money laundering, but they also knowingly allowed it to occur. Um, so uh, mm. essentially they had some evidence of a larger Binance uh, user uh, who was known to be involved in um, illicit uh, transactions. Uh, and Binance's compliance team essentially instructed them to make a new account because the old account had been compromised. At least this is the evidence kind of that they provided. Um, so there was actually evidence that not only did they not do anything to stop money laundering, they knew uh, it was occurring and kind of allowed it to take place, um, which is, of course, a, right. a, a big no-no. <laughs> um, Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one compliance uh, employee was quoted saying... Um, and I don't know where they got this quote from, but um, it was in the it was in kind of the the press release. Uh, it was quoted saying, "We need a banner. Is washing drug money too hard these days? Come to Binance. We've got cake for you." Um, which is a which is a hilarious yeah, quote oof. to uh, be caught uh, saying from your compliance team. Um, I wonder. Um, I wonder why CZ pled guilty. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> I'm not, it doesn't sound like they have a good case here. It's like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. It, I, I guess it's not too surprising. I guess if this is what we're seeing publicly, there's probably a, a mountain of other evidence. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, made this fairly a case closed. Um, a pretty simple case. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it, it 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 is kind of funny. They've really shot themselves in the foot with the stuff that they've said. That's now come up through the investigation. They should like just keep your mouth shut. Yeah, like they could have. They've really like the the quotes that have come up out of their investigation. It's just like so damning that they like they're stone dead guilty. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, what well, I mean, the compliance team what, was it like last year? They had that other quote, which was like, um, "We're running an unregulated crypto exchange or something." Like one of the compliance teams yeah, said, like, "We're running a flipping unregulated <laughs> uh, finance exchange, bro," or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, wow, all right. Yeah. Um, Proud of yourselves? <laughs> yeah, which is funny because that's basically what the second count was. Um, the second count was conducting an unlicensed money transmitting business. Um, so any entity handling go. money uh, transactions in the US needs to be registered as a licensed money transmitting business. Um, now, so Binance kind of split their entities into two uh, entities. They had a US entity that was registered, but their main platform was not. And the U.S. entity only transacted in some cryptocurrencies and had other limitations. Um, so U.S. customers should have only been using um, the U.S. version of the site, but CZ allegedly helped some big clients, some big money clients, uh, avoid uh, using the U.S. platform uh, to avoid compliance. So um, from reading it, it basically ah. seemed like he, he basically suggested that they use a VPN to be able to log into to the main Binance site. Um, to kind of disguise right. their location. Um, so yeah, again, big no, no, um, can't be, can't be directing clients to, uh, uh, be making transactions through the site. That's not regulated by the U S <laughs> uh, big, big no, no. Uh, and then count three, uh, related to violating U S sanctions with certain countries. Um, so they allowed and facilitated transactions with, with regions, uh, which they weren't allowed to, um, because of sanctions, uh, Binance caused uh, about $900 million in transactions uh, with people in Iran. And then there was other sanctioned jurisdictions, including Cuba, Syria, Ukraine, and North Korea. Um, so, um, yeah, as Richard said in his video, pretty much everyone. They allowed transactions anywhere. Um, 
So uh, <laughs> that's funny, which, which I thought was um, quite funny. Very loose. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are the those are the th- three uh, main charges, uh, I believe. Um, uh, will he? The kind of next question might be, you know, will he go to prison? Um, and the answer is probably not. It seems uh, he does face a maximum sentence for these crimes of eighteen months. Um, so technically, he can be imprisoned for 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 a year and a half. Um, uh, but it, it, and you might be wondering why, why is that sentence so low? But, you know, Sam Bankman Freed, for example, we just covered is facing 115 years, uh, as a maximum sentence. What's the difference? Um, well, the difference is SBF stole money from, uh, FTX users. Whereas while these are crimes that, um, CZ did, uh, uh commit, they're more, uh, violations of compliance rather than actual theft. Um, and so mm. those are two very different situations. One is, you know, you weren't registered, um, you didn't have the right, um, you know, money laundering thing in place. And the other one is stealing $10 billion or $8 billion. Um, mm. Those two things are weighed very differently, uh, at least in the US criminal justice system, um, which is why it's more of a fine and a settlement for these kinds of crimes than, um, than, than, uh, than prison, um, mm. which is ultimately what happened. $4.3 billion fine um, for, for Binance. Um, yeah, there you go. So yeah, that's the that's the story. Big big development in the in the crypto space. Um, yeah, I guess we'll kind of see maybe more of this as it plays out. I think it just happened overnight or last couple of days. Um, so uh, so yeah, we'll see if there's any other any other developments in what's in this plea deal. Um, mm. And um, so yeah. Yep, it definitely seems that the crypto industry continues to get absolutely polaxed. <laughs> but I think, uh, uh, I think, I think it's been a long time coming. But uh, yeah, it's it's just so interesting that um, I don't know all of these crypto bros, all of these big crypto, you know, um, business owners and entrepreneurs that were seen as you know on the front of Forbes like two years ago, <laughs> three years ago, and. You know, everybody was singing their praises, you know, the most philanthropic billionaire, I think they called Sam Bankman-Fried. Now all of them, literally like all of them, are just pew, 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 just getting chucked in yeah. prison. Well, I, th- I think I think some people thought crypto was going to be like this way that currency was just going to be kept outside of regulation. Like that, <laughs> that it, like that yeah. it was going to be this new <laughs> thing that all oh, currency is now going to be, you know, the US isn't going to have any hand in uh in regulating transactions, but like, that's just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. of course they're going to yeah. try and you can do whatever it. you want now. Yeah. Like I, I think, um, you can people- launder money, you can pay for drugs. <laughs> you can- <laughs> US is like, well, at least this is an easy way to weed out people that are doing the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just funny to see. I, I, I really think people thought it was going to be like this huge change in like how money is, is kind of tracked, but it, it, it's, it's not yeah. going to be, um, Nope. Um, at the end of the day, <laughs> this might sound crazy, but at the end of the day, countries want control over their currency. Shocking. Yeah. It's just shocking. It's very surprising. Yeah. <laughs> the, the people in power that make the rules want control over their currency. Will they let a currency that they cannot or that, that could be external to them, will they let it flourish? Mm. Probably not. Well, yeah, probably Whoop not. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah. Anyway, pretty much. But like, even even with Stanley, that notwithstanding, um, like the, these these you know individuals have done some criminal things. So it is it is good to see them um, brought to justice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Hamish, should we continue and talk about the next 
big, the second really big news story of the week. Yeah. That's everything going down at OpenAI, the makers, the creators of ChatGPT, the AI that's going to solve all English essay problems and (laughs) in the process, destroy the world. Yeah. Um, Yeah, such a weird turn of events. This is crazy that none of this had even started going down by the time when we were recording the podcast. This has all happened in the last like few days. I think it's been five days that this has played out across. Sam Altman, who's the CEO um, of OpenAI, he has been ousted by the board. He's been hired by Microsoft. And he has also left Microsoft to resume his position as CEO of OpenAI. (laughs) Wow, okay. Yeah, all in about five days. So yes, uh, after several days of crisis and tumult, Sam Altman has returned as the CEO of OpenAI. Um, he's gotten, yeah, so he's gotten fired by a CEO, then hired and then reinstated all in a few days. So the New York Times says, for much of the past year, OpenAI's board of directors has been criticized as too small and too divided to effectively govern one of the fastest growing startups in Silicon Valley history. On Friday, the board's dysfunction spilled into public view when four of its men- members fired Sam Altman, OpenAI's popular and powerful chief executive. The dismissal uncorked five turbulent, uh, yeah, un- uncorked five turbulent days as Mr. Altman rallied almost all of the company's 770 employees <laughs> to lobby for the board's resignation and his reinstatement. Mr. Altman, 38, returned to the company on Tuesday night after days of haggling over his job and over the makeup of the board. The board and Mr. Altman's allies discussed more than half a uh, more than a half dozen options for its future. They considered a board size of three to seven members and discussed about thirty candidates, including uh, Lauren Powell Jobs, the widow of Steve Jobs and founder of the Emerson Collective, and Brian Chesky, the chief executive of Airbnb. The de- departing board wanted to make sure the replacements would be independent thinkers and experienced enough to stand up to Mr. Altman. Stand up to him. Um, On Tuesday evening, both sides agreed to create a provisional three-person board. It is expected to expand in the coming months, two people close to the negotiations said, but the exact number was unclear. Uh, The new group will be responsible for analysing the structure of OpenAI, the ChatGPT chatbot developer, um, which started as a non-profit in 2015, but later added a for-profit subsidiary. This is the thing that I found weird mm. about OpenAI. Um, it started as a nonprofit in 2015, but as as the founders, um, well, it started as a nonprofit because the founders they were hoping that it wouldn't be beholden to commercial interests. How's mm. that going? <laughs> it's working uh, well. But for yeah, them. then later, yeah, very well for them. But then later on, so once they found out that, you know, they could actually make some money doing this stuff, they created a subsidiary of the non-profit, which is for profit. Right. <laughs> but the parent, the parent company, OpenAI Inc., they're, they're still a non-profit. Yeah. 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 How does that even um, but work? But it's interesting because- I just get that. Yeah. I honestly, if, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's bloody bonkers. But the funny thing is, is because this- parent company, OpenAI Inc. still controls everything as the non-profit. Um, well, it has a board. It has this weird board of six people. And that's what made it possible for literally four people to just get rid of Sam Altman for good. 
So right. it was, yeah, it's a, it's a weird structure. And I, I don't know, there must be some workaround because I think the reason behind it is, is they genuinely do want the, the progression of AI to not be associated to profit. But I think they realized along the way that they do need to create, you know, for, for it to scale, simply donations and funding wasn't going to scale along with AI's growth and development. So they did need some sort of business model behind it to, to keep it growing and developing. Yeah. But I think the parent company still operates with the intent that they don't want to over-commercialize this, um, this technology. Um, they just want to see it grow and be more developed, I suppose. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I guess the being for-profit or at least having a for-profit subsidiary probably allows them to attract much more funding in the form of actual investment. Um, you know, people and companies willing to put, you know, billions of dollars on the line because they'll get, you know, they'll get something back from it. Um, mm. So I guess, I guess it does uh, make sense as their kind of ambitions grow and as the companies kind of evolved. I thought it was, um, mm. I did think it was kind of funny. I saw that I think, yes, they have 770 employees and I think 700 of them were willing to walk out <laughs> to quit, <laughs> which is like the wow. entire company. Um, so they obviously had to, you know, make that work <laughs> in some way, um, which is kind of funny. Like it only took four people to get him out, but Sam could get 700, basically 90% of the employees on his side to, to basically get him back, <laughs> which I thought was, um, kind of an interesting situation. Sam Altman definitely sounds like uh, a very well liked character. I mean, yeah. I honestly don't know much about him, but Sam Altman definitely sounds like he's very well liked. But yeah, it is kind of crazy that <laughs> he can have four people <laughs> oust a guy that literally the whole of the company wants to keep, like all the employees want to keep. So yeah. let's name him. Let's name and shame some people, Hamish. <laughs> so long story short, it was Isla Sutskiva, uh, Helen Toner, Tasha McCauley, and Adam D'Angelo that opted to vote out Sam. And uh, under pressure from Altman and the workforce, uh, Isla, Helen, and Tasha have stepped down. Uh, and in their place comes some interesting names. Salesforce co-CEO Brett Taylor as chair. Former U.S. Secretary uh, Larry Summers. Right. Sorry, former U.S. Treasury Secretary Larry Summers. And um, the Cura CEO and board member Adam D'Angelo that voted uh, against Altman is the only member of the prior board who retains his seat. So that's got to be awkward. An awkward next board meeting. <laughs> awkward. I'm back. That's pretty hey, cool. Adam, you didn't get rid of me. Yeah. That's actually, that's kind of funny that he's, that, that one of them is staying. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, wonder how, like how he spun that. Like, oh, yeah, I, I just, know. you know, I just felt like I had to, like he was peer pressured. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Imagine just like the next board meeting when, um, Altman's like, all right, good. Yeah, we're all on board. And Larry's like, yeah, sounds good to me. Brett's like, mm hmm. Yeah, that's great. And yeah. then, um, uh, and then in comes Adam's like, well, actually, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they all walk into the board meeting and like, there's like an extra little table at the end of the board. And Altman's like, oh, that's the kids' table. That's for you, Adam. <laughs> yes, this for you, Adam. Yes, sit there. Yeah. Sit there. <laughs> yes, to sit on like a little plastic <laughs> chair. Face the, turn your chair out. Face the wall. <laughs> yeah. He gets time out. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, dear. Oh, dear, Hamish. 
Um, but yeah, that's um, that that's pretty much what's happening right now. In yeah. the, I mean, it's still unfolding. I'm I'm sure there'll be little bits and pieces uh, to come after this. Um, but yeah, a bit of a um, a bit of an interesting story. Normally, you kind of see these see these I don't know weird things happen where people get ousted, but it's not usual that you see them then come back around and get reinstated. So. I mean, he must be a liked character, as as you were saying before, with uh, most of the company really pressuring the board to uh, to make some changes. So there yeah. you go. Wow, insane, insane. Well, at least mm. um, at, at least Chat GPT didn't take over the board. I was uh, I was a little worried. <laughs> I, was, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was seeing that like on the forums and stuff. People yeah. were like, oh, I wonder if we've. I wonder if this is the this is the turning point. <laughs> Was yeah. it AI that it's, actually ousted Sam? Yeah, it's like he will be replaced by um it's like Sambot or something. Like, hang on a yeah. second. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Sambot, Tasha bot, Helen bot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But then but then it turned, like they get replaced by the bots and then over the next five years, like their business compounds at like a hundred percent annually or something. Yeah, it actually works out really <laughs> like, good. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Um, yeah. The interesting thing, I think uh, in the future, the only other thing I want to add, I think in the future Microsoft are looking to get a spot on the board, uh, someone from Microsoft. Uh, I found it interesting that Microsoft didn't have any sort of board representation at all, considering they invested so heavily in the project. Yeah. Um, but I think that was maybe a, a, a special condition for Microsoft uh, or for, for OpenAI to kind of do that deal with Microsoft is they wanted to make sure that the board wasn't disrupted or, or opened up to commercial interest because that's that's direct in direct conflict with the mission statement that they were talking about. So yeah, maybe there's okay. something to do with that. But yeah, I think yeah. I think now it sounds like down the track we will get some Microsoft representation. Yeah, interesting. All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, um, yes. Again, apologies, everyone. We, we've, we're dealing we're dealing with all kinds of technical uh, issues. Uh, this uh, this podcast. Yep. It's even more. I mean, ma- when this yeah. podcast goes out, it should sound good. But Hopefully. if you actually, if you, if we released the raw, <laughs> the raw like hour and a half that we've tried to record this podcast, you guys would, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be a good time. We've stopped the yeah. podcast. We've had technical issues. We've had. M- just atrocious lag, yeah. but we're battling through. We're battling through. Yeah. Hopefully, it still sounds okay. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. But that's all I had to say with the uh, with Sam and and the OpenAI stuff. So where you take us somewhere next, Hamish? Where do yeah. You want to go? Let's um let let's stay on the the artificial intelligence train and uh, let's talk about uh, Nvidia, uh, which reported mm. uh, their quarterly earnings uh, earlier. In the week, uh, red-hot demand for their graphics uh, chips used in the AI boom continued to fuel uh, the company, which is, of course, uh, I believe it's still the, the leader in the S&P in terms of um, how much it's gone up this year. I had a, had a check Probably. Uh, just before. it was uh, It's up 240% year-to-date. So uh, I, would, uh, I, I think it is the, uh, the leader um, this year. And, uh, and it's on the back of the, all of this AI hype and the fact that NVIDIA's um, graphics chips are 
um, the best um, for, for all kinds of um, companies looking to develop in this space. So how's the business performing? Because of course, when a stock goes up that much, the expectations are extremely high. And we've already seen a couple of quarters where their growth has been exceptional. Uh, and this quarter was just absolutely astronomically good. Um, total mm. revenue uh, for the quarter came in at $18 billion, $18.1 billion, uh, which was an increase of 206% year over year. So wow. big increase uh, in their revenue. Uh, most of that revenue came from their data center uh, business, uh, $14.5 billion, which was up 279% uh, year over year. Uh, and half of that revenue came from uh, cloud infrastructure providers like Amazon and Microsoft. So there's this, obviously this huge demand that these companies are buying all of these chips and all of this storage and everything, and then kind of renting mm. it out to, to, um, to, to all kinds of companies running sites. Um, you know, like Twitter yeah. will run on some of these sites and, and Netflix and all, basically pretty much um, most big companies now run through Amazon or, or, or Microsoft's cloud um, their cloud services mm -hmm. rather than running their own servers. Um, so it's this enormous business that's just um, been exploding in, in demand. Uh, and then the other kind of half of data center uh, revenues is companies running their own servers. So there's still a lot of smaller companies that might have like a small server room or something along those lines. Um, yep. So yeah, that's, that's the kind of the vast majority of their business now, which is interesting because just, yeah. uh, just as recently as two years ago, the gaming segment of their business was larger than data center. Um, yeah. And uh, that's really yeah. the thing that's gone, that's exploded over the last couple of years. Because you're right. When you th think NVIDIA, maybe if you're, you know, in your 20s, or yeah. maybe if you like video games, you know, when you think of NVIDIA, you just think, oh, graphics cards. Yeah. Because that's like when we were kind of growing up, that's what they did. They, they made like graphics cards for computers. They were the, the driving force behind video gaming. And it's only recently that they've figured out that hang on, this AI business, this is this is big business, and yep. we can uh, we can provide the hardware for that. So, so yeah, and as this is why over the past year, pretty much since ChatGPT was released, um, all these companies are just going bananas for AI, trying to develop their own thing, and Nvidia is firmly putting themselves in there as being the hardware provider for AI. So. Yeah, it's not it's not surprising to see um, that earnings go bananas as all the companies try and do their own thing in AI and they need hardware to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the so the gaming segment of of their revenue was uh, two point nine billion dollars. That segment was up eighty one percent year over year. So the gaming segment also grew pretty significantly. Um, but yeah, two point nine okay. billion in their gaming segment. The data center uh, revenue was almost fifteen billion, and just two years ago, yeah it was smaller than the gaming segment, which just shows like that's, yeah, as you there said, you that's where, that's where the growth is coming from. Um, mm. And uh, on top of all of this growth um, in terms of revenue, their profits saw an astronomical surge. Um, profits surged to $9.2 billion in the quarter, uh, up from $680 million last year, which is a 1,200% increase <laughs> year over year. Thank um, you. Thank you very much. So, like that. Um, yeah, massive increase in profits. I think we, uh, earlier in the year when we we're talking about NVIDIA, I, I, we we're kind of saying, you know, this is the, where, where the stock is now, this is kind of um, the astronomical growth they'll have to see in their profits. Um, and certainly they're at least, you know, contributing in, in a meaningful way towards that. Um, 
and that can happen um, with a, with a company uh, like Nvidia, you know, even though revenue is up 200%, um, if they have some kind of um, scale economics, then their, their profitability can, can really go through the roof. Um, and that's, that's certainly been the case uh, over the last year. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's impressive. It's very impressive. Yeah. Very, very impressive. Uh, they also uh, got uh, increased their guidance for next quarter. They're expecting $20 billion in revenue next quarter, uh, which is implied growth of 231% year over year. So um, the growth hasn't uh, is, isn't expected to slow down, at least in the next quarter um, or so. Uh, the NVIDIA CEO said, strong growth reflects a transition into a new era, era of computing and a surge in generative AI systems such as uh, OpenAI's ChatGPT that can generate convincing language and images with minimal prompting, um, which is just a fancy way of saying AI good for NVIDIA's business. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I can't say I know all that much about the, you know this this space and, and where it goes over the, the next few years. I'm kind of just happily watching this quarter by quarter and and enjoying their, you know, watching their astronomical growth. Um, there were a couple of mm. challenges that um, potentially will have some limitations on their business, but probably not in a meaningful way, but they were kind of noted by people covering this. Um, US did earlier put restrictions on GPU sales to China, which um, NVIDIA also noted will likely hurt um, that part of their business. Uh, and then AMD, mm. is, which is their, uh, I think their biggest competitor in GPU sales, but hasn't really been a competitor is um is trying to ramp up their ability to to um to to take a little bit of market share away from Nvidia, but um I, I believe Nvidia is is very far ahead in in terms of th- that stuff specifically, um, hmm. which is why they've yeah, uh, been able to capitalize in a meaningful way. Um, a few challenges ahead, but not not as many uh, headwinds as there are tailwinds. That's the correct. <laughs> that's, that's the that's, correct way to look at it. Yeah. 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 Jensen's just been going crazy talking about this stuff over the past year. He's, he's a very, very excited boy is Jensen Huang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. He is. Yeah. Maybe fair enough. We'll um, AI keeps kicking. Yeah. So with, with, you know, with all of this uh, incredible news, how much did the stock surge, you know, I was, you know, how much did the stock go up? 10%, 20%? Uh, it went down. Twenty-five. It went down three <laughs> oh. uh, percent, which is Ooh. kind of what happens um, when a company has a significant amount of hype behind it. As I mentioned at the beginning, um, stocks are already up two hundred and forty percent this year. So I'll, even though their profits are rising a lot, it's uh, markets work on expectation. So because these uh, results were kind of expected, at least to some extent, um, I'll the market doesn't kind of react too positively to this news, at least today. Um, that positive mm. increase has already been um, baked into the, into the, into the price, um, mm. at least for this quarter. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah. What's the general rule? If you post good earnings, your stock goes down. If you post bad earnings, your stock goes up. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, this just shows you like trading earnings. Gosh, what a disaster. Never trade earnings, guys. Never do it. No. Just don't. Well, yeah, don't. We, we've seen companies even beat expectations and the stock goes down. So it's not even just about yeah. beating expectations. It's it, it's certainly it's not yeah. about just growing earnings, but it's it's not even just about beating expectations. <laughs> um, uh, stocks do weird things. And uh, yeah, I would not want to be someone who's trying to use options or something to trade around earnings. It just seems like a disaster. Mm, yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
Oh, there you go. That's very interesting. Is that all we had to talk about for NVIDIA? They are certainly powering ahead, which is so interesting because we were talking about how that, you know, it seemed like a pretty big meme stock uh, all of six months ago because it had risen so much and their profits really hadn't started rising all that much just yet. But now it's uh, starting to starting to walk yeah. into its valuation. I mean, it's yes. probably still got a very long way to go, but I mean, it's it's posting very fast growth at the moment, at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly starting Will it to grow into its valuation. Who knows? Yeah, who, who knows? I um, mean, but it is. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly filling the the shoes. That's the thing, right? It's like, um, you know, when a stock goes up that much, it's it, the, the expectations are really high. That doesn't mean they can't meet those expectations. Um, it's uh, true. Sometimes companies do. It's just um, not very often that it does. <laughs> it's very impressive when yeah. they do. Um, yeah, and at least yeah. at least for now, um, certainly it's uh, it's been supporting um the the stock price increase <clears throat> nice all right where to next hamish where um, to next yeah are you gonna talk about this media news what do you got in terms of this media yeah news? i thought i'd lump in a couple of i saw a couple of interesting news related to, to to youtube and and to streaming services and to cable businesses i thought i'd just kind of lump them all together and we can do a little bit of a, a media news um segment which i thought was um interesting yeah yeah, exactly. Media news update with Hamish Harder. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's it. Um, so the first piece was um, <laughs> uh, Biden wants to ban cable cord cutting fees. Um, so the Federal Communication Commission on Tuesday announced a rule proposed to ban early termination fees for cable and satellite service contracts. The proposed what? rule would require cable operators and uh, direct broadcast satellite or DBS uh, providers to eliminate early cancellation fees. It would also require cable and uh, DBS companies to provide customers with a pro a pro rata a credit or rebate uh, for the remaining days within a billing cycle after cancellation. Um, oh, I see, I see. So, yeah, I think... Misunderstood. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a non-story because it's not as if a ban has actually happened. It's just a proposed ban, but um, it would be a pretty big deal um, for, for the cable industry, which has already taken you know, a number of hits, uh, as we've kind of seen, especially over the last five years um, or the last decade. Uh, I, I had a quick look again just to get the numbers right, but pay TV households in the US was 100 million in 2014. It's now 48 today, which is a nasty 50% um, of their market that has decided to no longer um, continue with their uh, cable subscription. And I would imagine yeah. this probably accelerates that decline if it was... Kind yeah, of put through yeah. because you could imagine uh, there's probably quite a few of these contracts that are kind of 12 month, 24 month kind of locked in contracts mm. um, uh, that maybe included free installation or something like that, right? So it's a kind of a, a bundled deal. Um, but now with being able to cancel without an early termination fee, um, potentially, you know, if, uh, it, you know the 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 value proposition between like a streaming service and and this now kind of changes in 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 some way at least, in a small mm. way. It's interesting. So there's the, the, he's trying to ban early termination fees. Yeah. So I don't know. I find that interesting. I always think that when you sign a contract, you've got to be – I feel like you just got to know what you're signing. Like, is, <laughs> is that not, like, common knowledge? Like, Yeah. I mean, it's good for the consumer if you, if you don't want cable anymore and you can just end it and you face no penalty. But isn't – I don't know – Everybody knows that if you're going to sign, put your signature on a document, you, you've got to read it, right? you got yeah. to make sure you're okay with the T's and the C's, as they say. 
Yeah, I, I mean, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone likes lock-in fees, and I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the fact that kind of naturally over time, those kinds of contracts have gone away. I think they used to be much more common, yeah. even for things like mobile, right? Like you'd have to have these like yeah. lock-in contracts and that sort of thing, and even that is is far less common now. Um, so I don't think anyone likes those fees, but it, also it's kind of weird. I think it's just like a weird, unnecessary thing for the government to legislate. Um, I mean, like it, se- it seems completely unnecessary because you've got competition from like streaming services that have kind of already naturally created better alternatives that are not locked in. Yeah. And as a result, yeah. 50% of people have cut cable. So it's kind of like the market forces yeah. are already doing it. It's like, why? Yeah. Why? Like, why do you need to do that? I mean, if, if people don't like the locking contracts, there are plenty of media pay TV alternatives that do not have locking contracts, which is why they're becoming yeah. more popular. And the same thing tr- is true for mobile. Like, um, you know, uh, mobile uh, network companies started offering these these contracts without locking fees. And as a result, people choose them because they're better um, and people want the freedom. So it just seems like a weird, unnecessary stab in the back of someone who's already like on their knees. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, yeah. like the it, it just seems, um, it just seems strange. It, uh, uh, that that's mm-hmm. all it is like it just seems an unnecessary thing um like i don't yeah. i don't think there's like heaps of people who are just like locked into like as far as i'm aware no one's locked into like a 10-year you know cable like contract uh or something obs- mm. insane where like they just can't get out of it i i don't know i presume that doesn't exist i presume these are like 12 month contracts that kind of thing um yeah that would be the only Thing that would be super hectic is if the if if the industry is completely changed over the time of the contract and you still can't get out without yeah. paying like this massive. Like, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Let the market forces do it. Hamish, you dirty capitalist, you. Yeah, I know. How dare I? <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it makes sense. The market forces will do it. I mean, people, you know, companies creating better offerings now to put the pressure on the cable providers and cable suffering because of it. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. 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 You don't get locked into a lot of these streaming sites, do you? No, I don't know. I mean, the only kind of lock in is like you can pay probably like an annual fee to get an annual subscription of like maybe like Disney Plus, but that's not really like lock in. That's just you buying an a- a- annual. I guess it, I don't know. Is that like the same thing? I don't know. But that's not really common anyway. Yeah. Most it's people similar, just pay yeah. on a month by month basis. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's plastered all over them. Cancel any time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, people love That's that. That's like a, they lead with that. It's like no lock in, cancel any time, free for X amount of days. You know, that's that's like the standard spiel. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So anyway, so that was um that was my my first piece of media news. The other one was just uh we uh, got a monthly update on um on kind of the analysis of uh, television watch time, uh, and I kind of want to talk about it a little bit because YouTube just continues to be an absolute beast, uh, even in the living room, which is um which is obviously really fascinating to watch as more and more people choose to even just watch YouTube, just, um, you know, on, the, on their television um, and, and how that's affected um, uh, the, the percentage of, of watch time. Um, so Nielsen um, releases this data every month on the website. It's called The Gauge, if anyone's uh, interested in checking it out. Uh, streaming as a whole uh, saw uh, had a, a share of uh, 36.6%. So 36.6% of watch time was streaming and YouTube's kind of included in streaming. Um, it was actually down 1% uh, month over month. Um, they lost a little bit of ground to broadcast or free-to-air TV. Uh, and that's really just due to, to sports viewing um, in the beginning of um, some of their sports um, uh, seasons. 
uh, broadcast gained uh, 1.4 percentage points to reach 24.6%, and cable lost 0.3 percentage points to be uh, 29.5%. Uh, in streaming, mm. um, YouTube now grabs 9.1% of all TV viewing. So 9.1% of all television viewing is now YouTube, and it's by far the biggest individual um, item there. In May earlier this year, um, an insider at YouTube actually said that 45% of all YouTube viewing in the US was on televisions, um, up from 30% in 2020, wow. which is, an, I do want to say, it, this is unconfirmed by YouTube. This was just like an anonymous mm. person familiar with the matter, you know, insider at YouTube saying this. Yep. So take it with a, you know, allegedly. A, a pinch of, alleg allegedly, exactly. Take it with a pinch of salt. But if that's true, that's an insane stat that 50% of YouTube is now, um, you know, television, living room um, yep. consumption. Well, I used to I used to not even watch YouTube on my TV because yeah. my TV was just so old and bad. Like I hated <laughs> loading apps. And it was just terrible. Yeah. And I remember you were saying, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Because you like, you watch all your YouTube on your TV. Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, I just watch it on my, on my laptop if I'm watching or, or on my mobile. Since I got like a, a capable TV. Yeah. <laughs> I watch all my YouTube on my TV now because I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that's what's happened. I think as people get like, mm. especially because smart TVs that are capable of that are, are getting really cheap now as well as the technology True. evolves. Uh, I think a lot more people now just have the capability to just to just um to to watch YouTube, especially because people are kind of upgrading to just watch streaming anyway. Like people are upgrading. Okay, yeah. let's get a good TV so I can watch Netflix and Disney Plus, and then if they can mm. run those, then they can run. YouTube pretty well, usually as well. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, next was kind of Netflix with 7.2%, then Prime Video, Amazon Prime, 3.6%, Hulu with 3.1%, and Disney Plus with 1.9%, and then all the rest were kind of 1.5%. 1, 1. Um, and then uh, the three kind of notable stats for, for the month were, uh, do you remember last month we were talking about how Suits was the... <laughs> the uh the biggest yeah, yeah. show for the month it continues to be the biggest show again oh um and i think it's been the biggest show like most months of this year which is just crazy that wow it's uh even as like a streaming originals come out like there's been some big originals from netflix and disney and hulu but even as all those yeah. shows come out suits which is finished still is the biggest um yeah which is uh it's so interesting that that's become a trend i, I know we spoke about this last time so i won't harp on about it too much but it's like people these days choose the comfort of knowing what they like over trying something new. Yeah. It's like very strange. Like all these old shows that, that people have seen in maybe their childhood or early adult years and that they've now come back to, they, they, pref they seem to be preferring that, you know, that content over the fresh new stuff that's being released. It, yeah. Obviously there's still a lot of fresh new, like viral stuff that comes out. Mm. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know. I, f I feel that's quite interesting. And it probably like tells you something a little bit more about just like the nature of how film and TV is made these days. I yeah. mean, it's made not even so much these days with, with a mind on how good the show is. It's made with a mindset of, will this make money? How much yeah. money can we put towards it? How much money will it make? That kind of thing. Yeah. So you don't like, like we were having a laugh at some, even some of the, like uh, old comedies that we we're watching and mm. how it's just like this, this just wouldn't get this low budget, you know, comedy that's hilarious. It just wouldn't get made today. It just yeah. wouldn't work. So it is, yeah, it is interesting. I, I think 
I don't know about the movies, but when it comes to television, I think there's just clearly this huge demand for watch time that's kind of like background noise TV where you don't want to like think too much yeah. about what you want to watch. You just want to stick something on that has a lot of episodes Look. that are all very similar, like Friends or The Office or Suits is kind of like that in, yeah. in many aspects. You kind of just want something on in the background while you're eating dinner or you're cooking dinner or you're doing chores. And I think clearly there's a big um, portion of people's time where that still is the case. Um, where people just mm. put something on, on the TV, um, uh, which is, you know, it, it, it uh, plays to some of those shows, a lot of the shows that were made when people were watching on cable, where you would just literally put the TV on and the cable provider, or not the cable provider, the network would basically decide what you're going to watch. Like it would be like, you know, it's already scheduled out. You're going to watch Friends for three episodes and then this for three episodes. So it's kind of funny to see that behavior hasn't changed in, in some aspects. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah, and then that was pretty, pretty interesting. Pretty yeah, that's pretty much it. Disney um had a good increase in their viewership. Uh, a couple of uh their shows were number two and three uh, on the most viewed. Uh and then Amazon Prime had a small increase due to um their Thursday night NFL contract, which they bought mm, a little while right. ago. So yeah. Interesting seeing it's it is interesting seeing streaming sites get into sport, but that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right, Hamish, um, we, normally we would go into Q&A right now, guys, um, but unfortunately I we're going to have to wrap things up because well, I know I said before that new money education is out, but I'm very stressed and I need to get back to it. <laughs> it's out in the future. <laughs> no, and I've also, it's out in the future, yeah. yeah. Now I've got a call that I have to get on right now, but yeah. Um, sorry about all of the, I know this episode has been messy. We're sorry. We've had so many technical issues, which has made us run over time, <laughs> yeah. but we'll get to Q and a next week for sure. Yeah. Um, apologies if, if, if there was a little bit off with the timing and the lag of this episode, but we are trying our best. We're still here. We still got through the news. Well done, Hamish. We got Congratulations. it. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. That's an achievement today. <laughs> oh, man. How long has it taken us to record it? I, we don't even know how long this podcast is right now. Yeah. Because we've had to like stop out one part of the file and then start a new one. And we're stitching to all this together. So <laughs> it's been it's messy. Mess. Hopefully we've rounded out to roughly an hour. We could hit or miss by a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, Who knows? Anyway. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, keep keep the Q&A questions coming. You can still leave a comment uh, down in the, in the uh, well, on Spotify natively in the question box or on the most recent episode on YouTube in the comment section. So still send us in the questions. We've got a bunch to get through next week, so we'll make sure we do that. But for now, thanks for watching, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. See you guys.